Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and this week I'm teaching a brand new series called The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender. The subtitle says God's promise to people who help wandering saints get back on track. My friends, the tragic mistake of moral surrender and people that veer and they get off track. I think today we all know someone that is making decisions that are just hard for us to even fathom. You know how they used to live. You know what they used to believe. And now they're saying things they would have never said before. They're embracing things they would have never previously embraced. And you wonder, how is it possible they could veer so far off track? And sometimes you find space developing between you and people that you used to be very close to because they've changed positions on what they believe. What should you do in a case like that? And that's what this series is about. The tragic mistake of moral surrender. It comes in five parts and it comes with a study guide that is just loaded with all the points and the principles, all the words that I cover in this series. It's all in the study guide so that you can read it while you hear it or while you see it. I know this series will really strengthen you. And I'd like to know what you think about this series. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called Last Day's Survival Guide. When you come to 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, writing under the unction of the Holy Spirit, begins to forecast what society will be like at the very end of the age. And he says, it will be perilous times. I cover all of that in this book, but God never is in the business of scaring us but he is in the business of preparing us. And God didn't give us these prophetic verses to scare us, but to prepare us because we're living in the end of the age. Tag, we're it. So we need to know how to deal with it and how to float on these waters of destruction that seem to be surrounding us. How can we do that? That's why I wrote this book, Last Day's Survival Guide. And I know that it will be a blessing to you. And the subtitle says, A Scriptural Handbook to prepare you for these perilous times. And my friend, if you feel that you're dealing with peril in your own life or you're so heartbroken what's happening in relationships with people that you used to be close to and you need somebody to pray with you, please reach out to us. We understand. We'll pray with you. We'll believe God to bring that person back to where they need to be. God can do it. And we would love to release our faith with you. And remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you two books as our way of saying, welcome to the partner family. We're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone and Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. But hey, I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. This series is called The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender. But today we're going to look at moral surrender for the sake of, are you ready? Opportunity. And we're going to look at the story of Lot in the Old Testament. So reach for your Bible. And I want to give you a little history about Lot. Lot had a great beginning. When Abram and Sarah began their walk of faith, guess who was with them? Lot was with them. When Abraham announced his conversion to God after God had spoken to him, Lot was there. He heard about his uncle's conversion. 
When Abraham and Sarah left Haran and began to follow God into the land of Canaan, guess who was with them? Lot was with them. When Abraham entered into the land of Canaan and saw all the giants that were there, who was with him? Lot was with him. When Abraham decided to build an altar to dedicate himself to God, who do you suppose helped him collect the stones to build the altar? Lot, Lot was there with him. When Abraham and Sarah went into the land of Egypt, Lot was with them and he saw God's blessing and protection upon Abraham and how God blessed him materially. And God made sure everything was fine with Abraham and Sarah. Lot was there observing the hand of God working in his family. It is amazing. In a certain way, you could say that Abraham and Lot had a parallel walk of faith. Abraham was definitely the leader, but walking in his steps with him was Lot every step along the way. But then something happened. Abraham became so blessed with animals that there was not enough room for Abraham and all of his servants and all of his animals and Lot and all of his servants and all of his animals to live in the same place. So to avoid strife, Abraham offered Lot the first choice of where he wanted to live. And this is where Lot's mistake of moral surrender began. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, Lot then lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of the Jordan that it was well watered everywhere where the Lord, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. And in verse 11, the Bible says, Then Lot chose all the plain of the Jordan and journeyed east, and they separated one from the other. Lot immediately began to make bad decisions, and it caused a separation between him and his spiritual father. Abraham stayed in the land of Canaan. I say that Abraham camped in the promise of God, but Lot began to lift up his eyes and look to opportunity, which was in Sodom and Gomorrah. That is amazing. From Lot's vantage point, he could see the beautiful Jordan Valley in front of him, and he beheld it. The word beheld means to be mesmerized. He was mesmerized by it. And in many ways, that area was very similar to Ur of the Chaldees, which they had left. And his heartstrings were tugged to go back to what he had been delivered from. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 13, verse 12, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He was not ignorant about Sodom or Gomorrah. It was very well known that the men there were exceedingly wicked before the presence of the Lord. But Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities that were there were affluent and extremely prosperous. And the idea of going there was the idea of great financial opportunity. But listen to this. Moses in Deuteronomy 29, 23 said Sodom and Gomorrah was so horrible that when God destroyed it, nothing would grow there. Isaiah mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah several times. In Isaiah 3, 9, he specifically cited that their sin was shameless and out in the open. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, 14 said that Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with adultery and lies. Ezekiel 
in Ezekiel 16, 49, said that Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with pride. Amos, in Amos 4, 1 to 12, wrote that other cities, if they did not repent, would be judged just like the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And even Jesus spoke about Sodom and Gomorrah on several occasions. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 17, verse 28 to 29, that Sodom was affluent and prosperous. He said the people there, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built their lives the way that they wanted to build them. And Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 11, that God destroyed the cities completely because of the lasciviousness of those cities. And Jude, in Jude verse 7 says, the people of Sodom went after strange flesh, which is his description of sexual perversion. And John, in Revelation 11, 7 to 8, described Sodom as the symbol of sin and all kinds of defilement. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were so horrible that God overthrew them in the plains. So what in the world was a man like Lot who had walked with his father of faith, Abraham, he knew God, he knew how to walk with God. What in the world was he doing moving toward Sodom and Gomorrah? And the answer is he was mesmerized by the opportunity there. Sodom was wealthy, Sodom was luxurious. It was loaded with affluence and a lot of business opportunities. And Lot had been walking the hard road of faith with his uncle Abraham for a long time. And the idea of going somewhere that was a little easier was very alluring to his flesh. And initially, Lot lived outside the cities in the plain of Jordan. But the Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom and Gomorrah. He would sit under the flap of his tent. He could see the lights of the city. He could hear the sounds of the city. He could smell the smells of the city. And like a magnet attracts metal, those cities begin to speak to his flesh and allure him, tantalizing him to move closer and closer and closer and closer until finally he found himself living right in the middle of Sodom. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 13, 13, the men of Sodom, were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. But Lot coaxed himself into believing because of the opportunities that were there. It was all right for him to move there. This was the tragic mistake of moral surrender. He surrendered morally for the sake of opportunity. The cry of Sodom and Gomorrah, the sin in those cities was so horrible that God himself could hear the cry of their sin all the way in heaven. And we read about this beginning in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, where the Bible says, The Lord appeared unto Abraham in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And it goes on to say, Abraham looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And we know from the text that two of these men were, in fact, angels, and one of them was the Lord. Abraham prepared and served them a scrumptious meal. And then when you read Genesis 18, 6 to 7, the Bible says the men, that is the two angels, rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said... Shall I hide from Abraham that thing that I'm going to do? Wow. 
the angels were about to be dispatched into Sodom and into Gomorrah to see if the decadent cry that God had heard in heaven was really altogether according to the cry of it. And we find in Scripture that there are two things God can actually hear. There are two things he can hear. Number one, God can hear the cry of his people. In Psalm 34, verse 15, the Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. When God's people cry out, God comes down to deliver them. But the second thing that God can hear is the cry of sin. And the more grievous the sin, the louder the cry, God can hear it even more clearly. And when we come to Genesis 18, verses 20 to 22, the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they've done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I'll know it. And the men, that is the two angels, turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. They were being dispatched into the city of Sodom to investigate and see if the sin was as decadent as it sounded. But the Bible says Abraham stood yet before the Lord. I have an entire series that I want you to order, which is called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. You can order it on our website. My friends, when people are in trouble, it's time for us to stand before the Lord and draw near. And that is what Abraham did. He knew that when the angels arrived in the cities and they saw the decadence and the sin and the perversion of the city, they would destroy it. So rather than just wash his hand and say, well, there's nothing I can do for my nephew, he drew near to the Lord and stood near to the Lord and he began to intercede on behalf of his family. He knew if he did not intercede, his family who lived in Sodom was going to be in serious trouble. But finally, the angels arrived in Sodom, and we read about this in Genesis 19, verse 1, where the Bible says, And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. That was the two men that were dispatched. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, that is amazing. Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom? This shows us how far he had sunk morally. Those who sat in the gate of the city were the leaders of the city. They were the business people. They were the public servants who carried out the necessary transactions to make the city was successful and to keep things moving. And since this is where Lot was, it means he was a leader in the city and he'd obviously become one of Sodom's leaders. And to some extent, he had really become a Sodomite. He had become one of them. I'm not saying that he committed homosexuality, but he blended into the environment of the city to the point that he's sitting in the gate of the city as one of the leaders of the city. And Genesis 19, 1 to 2 says, There came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. That is remarkable. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, Turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night. Notice those words. Tarry all night and wash your feet and you'll rise up early and go on your way in the morning. And the angels answered and said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. They came to the city to see what was happening there. They didn't come there to stay all night with Lot, but Lot did not want them to stay in the streets because Lot knew 
If they stayed in the streets all night, they were going to see a lot of evil things taking place. Sexual perversions of every kind that you can imagine. And Lot knew that if the angels saw it, they would destroy the city. And he didn't want the city to be destroyed because he loved the city of Sodom and he had become a sodomite. It was his city. So he begged the angels, please stay in my house. In fact, he was possibly trying to protect the city by asking them to stay all night in his house. That is amazing. But finally, the angels rejected Lot's invitation. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 19, 3 through 5, Lot pressed upon them greatly. Please, I'm begging you, stay in my house all night. And they turned in unto him for a brief time, you're going to find out, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did break unleavened, bake unleavened bread. And they did eat. But before they lay down, now listen to this, before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, come past the house round about both old and young, all the people from every quarter, and they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men that came in unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. That word know means to sexually know. And here we find such a disgusting picture. Men of all ages, old and young, from every sector of the city surrounded the house and in a lustful rage, they demanded that the two visitors be brought out to them so they could forcibly have sex with them. And this lets us know also that sexual perversion was so pervasive in Sodom that it wasn't just the old, it was also the young. Every category, every age showed up saying, bring those men out to us. And the two angels who had appeared in town were the talk of the town because here were two men that had never been sexually experienced. And with their lust burning out of control, the sodomites' intent was to take those new men and sexually know them or gang rape them. And knowing this, what happens next? The Bible tells us in Genesis 19, 6 and 7, Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Now that is amazing to me because Lot looks into the face of these disgusting, perverted, exceedingly wicked sinners and he calls them brethren. And I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Keep in mind, this is the same Lot who once walked in faith with his uncle Abraham. He had previously helped build altars unto God, but now his thinking has become so reprobate, he's become so brainwashed by living continuously in that environment that he can look into the face of these individuals and call them brethren. That's the kind of affinity he had for the Sodomites. He called them brethren, which tells us Lot had become completely compromised, compromised in the way that he was thinking. And he said to the Sodomites in verse 8, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known men. Well, that's an interesting statement. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Let me, I pray, you bring them out unto you and do you to them as is good in your sight, but only unto these men do nothing. For therefore they came under the shadow of my roof. Lot was so seared and so reprobate in his thinking. He said, it's not good that you would rape these angels, but I do have two girls that have never known men. You can have them and do to them 
whatever you wish. Well, of course, there's nothing right about that at all. But when the Sodomites pushed, the angels took charge. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 19, 9 and 10, and they said again, this is the Sodomites who are now speaking to Lot. This guy came into sojourn among us and he will needs be a judge for us. Now we will deal worse with thee than with those two guys that came on unto you. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. And the Sodomites basically said, who do you think you are to tell us what is right and what is wrong? You of all people are going to judge us? Well, when we're done, we're going to do worse with you than we do to those two men. Wow. Lot had so blended into the environment of Sodom that he had lost his voice of authority. And when he tried to speak with moral authority, the men of Sodom didn't even take him serious. And we read in verses 10 and 11, And the men, that is the angels, put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. So they wearied themselves to find the door. The angels took matters into their hands and struck all the Sodomites with blindness. Number one, so they couldn't find Lot and they couldn't find their way into the house. And number two, so they couldn't escape the city when destruction would fall. And in verse 12, the angels said to Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in this city? Bring them out of this place. But notice... It says that Lot had sons-in-laws, but his daughters had never known man. This implies they were married to homosexuals, and therefore they had never had a sexual relationship with them. They were married, but they had never engaged in sexual intercourse with their husbands. Wow, that is amazing. And as we continue, the Bible tells us that these angels went to work to save Lot. Look at verse 14 again. Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. And verse 14 says, But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. Finally, he's speaking something righteous. He's speaking words of deliverance. And his sons-in-laws are saying, What is this? You mean our father-in-law is a preacher? We've never heard him talk like this before. And they mocked him and laughed. What are you, a preacher? They had never seen him. Take a righteous stand. Verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. They said, come on, you got to get moving. you got to get out of here. Arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Notice the sons-in-laws did not come along. And verse 16 says, while he lingered, which means even though Lot knew judgment was about to fall, he was hoping it wouldn't really happen. And he lingered. He wasn't moving. So the men, that is the angels, laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And you know what happened next? Fire and brimstone fell upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And God overthrew the cities of the plain. But Lot and his family were delivered. But when you look at the story, it looks like they weren't too interested in being delivered. This was a man who had tragically surrendered all of his morals for the sake of a business opportunity. He didn't even have the sense to walk out of a mess when God was trying to deliver him. Then why did God deliver him? Because Abraham, his uncle, drew near to the Lord, stood before the Lord, 
and interceded on his behalf. And that is why Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2 verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. The word godly, the Greek word ruomai, which means to snatch out just in the nick of time. Because of Abraham's intercession, God snatched Lot and snatched his family just in the nick of time before the judgment fell. That is the power you can have if you know somebody that has veered from their faith by drawing near to the Lord and praying and interceding on their behalf, you can make a difference and what's going to happen to them in the future. I'll be back in just a moment. We live in a day when many people are modifying their beliefs and tossing their faith to the wind to accommodate their family and friends. Even though these believers once stood firm on the Word of God, they are surrendering to the woke atmosphere in society today to stay in relationship with loved ones who have changed what they believe. What should you do? If your spouse, children, or friends have changed their beliefs and you now feel distance between yourself and them, in this five-part series, The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender, Rick Renner covers. The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender, Moral Surrender for Opportunity, Moral Surrender and embracing inclusivity and tolerance, moral surrender for society's acceptance, God's promise to people who help wandering saints get back on track. This powerful series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book, Last Day's Survival Guide, a scriptural handbook to prepare you for these perilous times for $25. In this practical 478-page book, Rick Renner unlocks prophecy about the last days and shows you what you need to do to sail through these turbulent times victoriously. We believe you need this book. Don't miss this powerful offer. The five-part series, The Tragic Mistake of Moral Surrender, and the book, Last Day's Survival Guide. These materials can make a big difference in your life or in the lives of those you love. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. My friend, today I've been teaching about the amazing story of Lot, a man who morally compromised himself and surrendered for the sake of opportunity. But I have an entire series called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble based on the story of Lot. It's five parts and it's available on our website. You can order it by going online or by giving us a call right now. And today we're offering you my series called The Tragic Mistake, A Moral Surrender. The subtitle says God's promise to people who help wandering saints get back on track. There's something you can do to help them get back on track. We saw today that Abraham drew near to the Lord and interceded. And because of Abraham's intercession, Lot was delivered. And if you'll intercede, if you'll draw near to the Lord on behalf of those that you're concerned about, God's delivering power really will go to work on their behalf. But anyway, order yours today, and it comes with a study guide. You can order all of this by going online or by giving us a call right now. And we're also offering you right now my book called Last Day's Survival Guide, a scriptural handbook to prepare you for these perilous times. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that at the end of the age, we're going to sail through some pretty perilous, turbulent waters. But my friends, we're equipped to do it. We're appointed. We're anointed to live in this season. We have the word of God, the blood of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can do it victoriously. 
And that's why I've written this book called Last Days Survival Guide. And I want you to order yours today. And please remember that if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. Maybe you want us to pray with you about somebody you're concerned about. We would love to pray with you. Just give us a call or send us your email right now. But Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that you've given us everything we need to make a difference in our lives and in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. Thank you for joining Rick Renner today. For more information about Rick Renner Ministries and product resources, visit renner.org and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.